0: What's up, disciples? It is time for season four of Red Letter Disciple. That's right, we're back, baby. And we're kicking off today with an episode that you're gonna love. We got 12 episodes in the Power Pack season four that are all going to help you become a greater disciple of Jesus because we believe that when we all are the great disciples he's called us to be, the world's going to forever change so today is going to be a fun one really interested in this conversation bringing on to the show a guy named joshua k smith a pastor a theologian and someone who has his doctorate actually with emphasis in studying ai artificial intelligence and robotics so we're going to get into a really fun conversation today about ai how it's already being used plus yeah we're going to talk about robots that's right Robots and how, like, they're impacting discipleship already, whether you know it or not, and how they could impact discipleship into the future. And so, if you're not thinking of robots yet, like the majority, well, maybe you need to. So today, we're going to consider the future, what robots are like, the opportunities that are coming. Plus, Chris Johnson may not only come on to the podcast as my co-host, but he might also be introducing to us a robot that he made. Anyway, I can promise you we're gonna have a lot of fun starting the season off with a bang. Hey, today's episode is brought to you by Red Letter Living. Uh, we have a resource we've been working on for two years that is now available for pre-order called Serving Challenge. That's right. It's the next 40-day challenge. We're going to teach people how to serve like Jesus. If you're looking for a resource that's going to mobilize volunteers inside and outside your church, this is going to be it. A 40-day resource learning about Jesus, how he served us, and now how he calls to serve others. So here's the deal. You can go to servingchallenge.com right now and jump into what we're calling the first wave. The first wave are churches that are locking in the best pricing they're ever gonna see when it comes to Serving Challenge. These are churches that are getting in early because they know that they're gonna launch Serving Challenge. Some in the first wave are launching uh, alongside of us, October 1st. Others are just locking in that great price and planning to launch Serving Challenge in New Year or the 40 days prior to Easter in Lent of 2024. But lots of churches are jumping in. Our goal is to have 40 churches. We're just about halfway there. Maybe your church could be one of those. You can find more about Serving Challenge at servingchallenge.com. It's gonna give you lots of different uh resources and understand really what the content is all about and truthfully we'd love to serve alongside of you with this resource so hey if you are excited that red letter disciple is back if this podcast like encourages you or challenges you inspires just if it helps you if you haven't already and most of you haven't would you please do us a huge favor we want to keep bringing these podcasts to you five-star ratings and reviews are really helpful on your favorite platform. So go ahead and smash those five stars. Put a little review there. That would mean the world to us. But on to the first episode of season four with Joshua K. Smith. Let's do this. All right. Today is a really fun episode. We got Joshua K smith in the house josh is a theologian and a pastor chris researching the ethics of ai and robotics which is huge right now (laughs) so josh serves as the senior pastor as well of a southern baptist church in mississippi smart guy earning a phd in technology with an emphasis on robotic futurism co-chair of the kirby lang center's technology hub and newfound author of robot theology that's
1: actually interesting he's the only other person that i know besides myself that has a phd in uh robotic futurism oh you have one? Oh yeah i didn't like know uh university of phoenix <laughs>
0: I think only one of the people actually has a PhD in okay. robot futurism today. Keep so we're going to actually dive into a fascinating conversation about AI and robots. Some mm. of you may not be familiar with, or thinking too much on this topic yet, and that's okay. But it's coming, whether you think about it or not. And so excited to welcome Joshua K. Smith.
1: Hey, watch to the, the red letter. You should Disciple. be watching this one on YouTube. Hey.
0: This one's visually impressive. Today. <laughs> yes. You know, well, yeah. Surprises for our YouTube audience. Yeah. All right, Josh. So you have a prominent focus on robots. Hmm. How in the world did you get into this?
1: And also, I've never heard of a PhD in technology with an emphasis on robotic futurism. Like that is really... Did you make that up?
2: <laughs> I think that's made up because <laughs> a PhD is in theology. And-
1: Oh, dude, uh,
2: it's close close dude we was,
1: inspire these these people who are doing your research no it's oh, okay
2: Earned phd in theology not technology yeah
1: exactly
2: it's oh, pretty Dang. close pretty close um pretty cool. actually they are pretty close so i mean <laughs> I we'll get to that later but <laughs> uh, my dissertation was on robotic futurism and oh AI wow robots. so i mean pretty close pretty close. okay we didn't completely bumble the whole
0: thing no 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 right, there right. you go So how'd you get into the field of robots? Which is odd with a degree in
2: theology. (laughs) right?
1: I don't know. Our seminary did not offer that. I'll just (laughs) tell you that.
2: Yeah, it's not typical for sure. And (laughs) um, it's hard because as a theologian, there weren't a lot of, um, as you can imagine, a lot of resources on things that I was writing about. And it was really hard to kind of dig through. tons of computer science and philosophy of mind and all that stuff that most normal people don't read about. But it just (laughs) really excited me. And the reason why it's exciting to me is because I grew up loving sci-fi, reading just about every comic book that i get my hand on. I was a huge Batman fan, also a huge Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle fan. So there was one Donatello who made all the gadgets and stuff. Right. If you remember. And yeah. so yeah, I've always been fascinated about stuff your like that. own R2D2 <laughs> wheeling around, beeping at you, didn't you? Um, no, but oh. I did take apart the vacuum cleaner and <laughs> different things around the house and gotcha um so i was raised by my grandmother and bless her heart it's just amazing that i didn't end up in the er or something <laughs> yeah always sure. just kind of deconstructing stuff just like what's what's inside this cassette player and yeah kids may not know what that is
1: anymore, Goshie, but... can you stop breaking down the equipment
2: <laughs> yes yes <laughs> absolutely and trying to like put it back together and so that's always been a part of my personality but also in high school i really got into coding and robotics <laughs> actually worked with some robots And uh, like industrial robots. And so I thought perhaps that might be a future for me. Mm. So that's the long, short story or short, long story of how I got into it. And I think if you ask most people that are researching philosophy of technology, that's typically where we started. So the indoctrination process starts early on in childhood with science fiction and and those type of things.
1: So wait a second. You seem to have an early interest in robots where did the theology come along?
2: Um, it was later. Uh-huh. So I didn't start going to church until my teenage years. That was the first introduction I had to it. And um, never planned on being a pastor or anything like that. I, nobody no, nobody in my family is a pastor. Or, uh-huh. um, and so it was kind of a, I don't know, it's kind of a, not a, like I accidentally fell into it but I wasn't looking for it by any means and I was in the military for about 6 years mm. a little bit longer and I knew I wanted to study history and I ended up studying theology at William Carey University which where I did my undergrad just by proxy because my wife was at the University of Southern Mississippi doing yeah. speech pathology and so it was the closest option so yeah. I was still working for the military so, I would literally get home, sleep two hours, and then go to classes at wow. Curie. And uh, I don't remember anything that I learned <laughs> there, but I did fall in love with theology there. And I had a couple professors who cultivated that in me, especially philosophical theology, which is if you read any of my stuff, you're like, this guy, I don't want to read his books anymore because that's all that he's interested in. But that, you know, collides with philosophy of technology so beautifully because it's all about. What's inside the machine? And, you know, can it be human? Can it be a person? And all those different questions that we're asking right now, especially with uh, large language models like chat GPT and and different technologies, like all of these things kind of erupt to the surface. And so when I started studying theology, I, I just it was I've never experienced anything like that Mm. and I didn't have any language for it. I didn't have the background for it. Nothing. It was just a completely frustrating process, but I fell in love with it. Mm. And, and so I thought that's kind of where my life would go is, is teaching philosophy, theology, or history. And the more I progressed in my education, the more I became a theologian and Mm. and trying to balance all those three components together. So Mm. it's cool.
0: Yeah. So robots are like a form of AI. So I want to back up before we get to robots, because I'm, I'm curious, I have a lot of questions um, that are probably going to come off some of them very ignorant about robots, but yeah, I want to okay. back up into AI first, because that I feel like that's all the rage right now. Um, lots of people talking about the, the AI, but Talk to me a little bit, because now we're kind of hearing about OpenAI, ChatGPT, and so there's all these new conversations, but AI is bigger than just ChatBT. It's been around for a a while now. So Mm -hmm. talk to me a little bit about what AI has been, where it is now, and uh, how people are already using it.
2: Yeah, so it's been around for a while. Like if you think about kind of the emergence of this technology, it kind of goes back to mid 50s, really, I mean, much, much farther back than that. But there's always been in a, in us as humans, a sense of, of longing for magic is one way to think about it. Uh-huh. We want to see some type of automation. There's ancient stories about some of the stuff. and But in our particular context in the West, in, in the modern era, this came about as a way to try to manipulate or emulate human thinking. And so um, and you can imagine one of the reasons why that's so important was because of all the stuff that was happening around the launch of Sputnik, which was you know, a Russian satellite. And so until that happens and the U.S. gets really, really scared because we're now thinking about, OK, this other country has this technology um, and they have beat us to this point. So we have to catch up. That's really where this conversation starts as we know it today. Mm. It's about surprise. So we we don't want to avoid surprise. Um, and so that's kind of where it starts. And so the, the conversations at Dartmouth in, in the 50s is about how, how can we um, mimic human thinking and intelligence? Can we do that? And there's all these different types of languages coming out, languages that we use today get, that form binary and different things like machine language, all that stuff, like a bunch of nerds in a room trying to figure out <laughs> how do we get this computer to understand our language right and so it starts with little punch cards and we develop these different languages and then you know the ones and zeros we it's just it's so fascinating to me and i, I think about when i was a kid seeing my first computer and yeah. and taking it apart and seeing all the ribbons and they're really ugly back then yeah. now they're beautiful and yet leds and all this stuff but back then it was so, so fascinating right like seeing all these different components working together like how does how does this ribbon translate to an image on a screen and how do these pixels translate all this different stuff. And so I think there's two sides to this conversation, right? On one side, you have a bunch of scientists who are just really, really interested mm-hmm. to, to figure out how can we, is this possible? Can we, can we make something intelligent like a human is intelligent? And, and the question, the answer to that is no, there, there's not something that's going to completely one for one think and act like a human. Mm-hmm. Right. So I think just, out the gate, we've we've always been frustrated by that. We've not made anything like that, and I don't think AI will ever be like that. But but there's there's another side to it, and so on the on the back side of it, the underbelly to this is it's driven by um, what we see in in countries and in places like China and Russia, where it very much is a technocratic state, right? So it is about surveillance. It's about gathering information. And if you think about what AI is, that's what it's about, finding and predicting different patterns. And so, yeah, in a lot of ways, it's simply math, like all this stuff, machine language, big data, all it's it's math in a lot of ways. Literally, the language is math, ones and zeros, but it's also more than that, because like I said, there's, there is some magic to it, right? There, it does things that we don't quite understand sometimes and so simple ai just narrow ai is what it's called it's basically like baking a cake as david Gunkel would say uh you you put the right ingredients in you put that in the oven yeah right temperature for the right amount of time you get a cake or cookies or whatever right um and so we use a lot of that ai today in our banking in application processes even in policing so that, that's a little bit more of a gray area, but we use it every day, right? And, and you're, you're getting recommendations for different things based on what the algorithm predicts for you. Your, right. Whether or not this video shows up in somebody's feed will be based on their search history, you yeah. know? And, so, and even Google and different places that make these algorithms, sometimes they don't even understand why it made that decision. Yeah. So I, I think that's what's fascinating about it. And that's kind of the magic part of it is it can it as it learns, right? And yeah. so um I don't know how how much you want me to go into that, but basically all of our thoughts about what we what we envisioned for AI, what it would be, what it would be today, were somewhat wrong. We thought it would be like raising a child where you would teach it certain things and emotions and behaviors and it would just develop into what we develop into a human person, but that's not quite what it does, mm. and and I don't think that's everywhere it will be, and but I do think it can be beneficial. I think it yeah. it can be it can be trained to do some really wonderful things, and and so I, I try to shift towards that conversation and and to be a little bit more hopeful that any technology can be used wrongly, right? You can right. You can use a hammer inappropriately. You can. You can use a wrench. You can throw it at somebody instead of, um, you know, turning stuff with it. But, I mean, it just depends on the human.
1: They did yeah. that in dodgeball. Right? Yeah. Remember that? Dodge, yeah, I, dodge I was thinking about ball. that. You can dodgeball.
0: Yes. Uh, that where all three of our minds went there? Yeah, I That's think good. we all yep. went to dodgeball. Yep. Absolutely.
1: Like, hey, Josh, I got a question for you. So, yeah, you, you bring up some good points. Here's the thing. I've been thinking about this. Uh, not only been a youth pastor for 20 years, but I've been teaching mm. theology as a high school at a local private high school. And my kids are really honest with me, like to the (laughs) point where I wish they wouldn't even tell me half the stuff they tell me now, because now I've Mm. got it in my head. But one of my kids was taking an AP class and he said, pastor Chris, I got it. I'm taking AP world AP, right? World history AP. And he went into chat GPT and he said, write me a three page paper with a few human errors that can't be detected by plagiarism. And he popped it back out. It took him a couple of minutes. He got a 95 on it. (laughs) And the only reason he got the 95 is for the human errors. It passed all the plagiarism issues. And so, like, here's my fear, man. My fear is that 15 years from now, we're going to have a bunch of doctors and dentists that have (laughs) their way through college. Uh, And honestly, here's my other thought. I'm wondering if schools and colleges we're going to have to go back to like pen and paper like no devices in the classroom because this thing is going to get so smart and undetectable like what do you think about that for the future of education
2: yeah so i think firstly it was unethical to release the technology on in the public when we weren't ready for it yeah right yeah. i think I think that's a conversation i haven't heard a lot about unless you're in the philosophy of tech world mm-hmm. there's some things we need to be very careful about how we open up to society about and how right. we integrate these systems like the the robot dog spot that was uh in new york where the police said hey we're going to use it like that was the wrong way to approach it and i think likewise with the company OpenAI that this wasn't the best way to approach it, yeah. but what do we do with it now? You know, it's kind of like Pandora's box. It's, exactly. Know, it's open. You, know, you, you can't put it back in there. And now all these companies are investing billions of dollars into it. It's uh-huh. The models are only going to get deeper and deeper. So, right. uh, um, yeah, we, we were thinking about this too. Even other educators already were having this conversation. And I was just thinking like a couple of summers ago, I was doing some adjunct and... Even then, just just trying to make sure the students don't cheat. I feel I feel like that was most of my job as the online instructor. Yeah. I'm just trying to make sure they don't cheat. And I don't care necessarily about that. Like, I I want them to learn. Right. I I think part of this could be we shift away from grades That a lot of. A lot of really good educators have said, stop, stop making the students so anxious about getting an A or B. Let's just right. go ahead and say they're going to get that or whatever, like this pass or fail type thing. Mm-hmm. And as, as long as they kind of capture the skills. And like you're saying, so with GPT now and with the next iterations, mm-hmm. it will get harder, to, especially with the short term papers, like the short, right. you know, three to five. Like it's going to be impossible for for people to. figure out who's plagiarizing unless they're just not very (laughs) tactful about it like i have some friends who posted like the same sentences for the same assignment and they're like this has clearly been put into a language model right so but people will get better at cheating they will they'll figure it out right um but one of the things we could do is just move away from that maybe maybe there are better ways to to test students ability uh, with the curriculum and, and with the subject matter. And I, I think we'll move more towards trade in the future because some of these models, it's not that they're going to take everybody's job, but it's definitely going to change our jobs. Right. right. It's like like the way that the social web did and smartphones. And so whether that's for restoration or ruin is, is kind of up to us as the yeah. public, but Um, I'm not necessarily worried about that. I think we'll, I think we'll figure out ways to get around it. And, and probably that would be the death of the, the short essay.
1: Yeah, I think so. And also like my friends and I were putting in like, write me a 15 minute or a one minute commercial, right? Write Mm -hmm. me a 15 minute, uh, write me a short movie about a rabbit and a and, and it's kicking out like decent scripts like if Mm -hmm. i was a hollywood writer right now i think i'd be a little concerned or a writer in general Uh, although i did say write me a sermon and it wasn't that great (laughs) but it's only going to get better (laughs) is my point it's only going to get better so well
2: hopefully hopefully because right now there's a lot of also false information so let's also yeah balance it and let people know that it's not a magic cure for everything like it will give you false information and I think one of the things we can do is help educate people about what it's doing. Mm -hmm. So it's scraping databases. Mm. So it's only the scrape is only as good as the databases, information fidelity to the subject matter. And so if you feed it, if it has a bunch of garbage that's scraping, that's what it's going to give you. It may be in a properly formatted context, but, um, is
1: it almost like wikipedia right now like yeah what, yeah
2: you know what i mean like yeah and i think i have some hacker friends that say it does have access to the internet so and and there's some there's some ways to to really break it down i won't share what those are but
1: yeah, yeah sure um, i'm
2: not i'm not afraid of it i'll just say that i'm yeah. not afraid um and if you really want to know you can just email me and i will, I will give you some tips to, to alleviate your anxiety okay, so
0: cool, do you cool, think cool. ai then will Spur creativity onto new heights or suppress our creativity? It's gonna make us all
1: dopes. That's the answer. What do you think?
0: Go ahead. Have you seen the movie Idiocracy? I have not. No. Okay,
1: I'm
2: not endorsing the movie. Wait a second.
1: That's the movie where like everybody's just completely stupid, right? Yeah. One of the the
2: taglines is um, "Electrolytes, it's what plants crave," and they're trying to figure out why their crops aren't growing because they keep Mountain Dew or something. Yeah, like like Powerade.
1: That's what it was. Powerade. Yeah.
2: uh, that's, I think, worst case scenario. <laughs> but we could already argue that with the social web and with Web two, which is kind of where we are generally, we could argue that there's been a dumbing down of society and an an exaggerated view of what we actually know. And if you think about like agriculture, just let's just say that the internet went down today and mm. electricity, the grids went down because guess what? A lot of your Electricity is based on a switch that is controlled by Wi-Fi. And so let's just say a major hack took place, if you weren't already scared about that, Um, a lot of your stuff that is controlled by switches could be cut off. And so what would happen? So my father-in-law is a farmer, his he doesn't have a college education, but he's one of the smartest men that I know, Mm -hmm. like he is extremely smart, can figure out anything, um, can build anything just that like knowledge I value. Mm. And I think about, and I'm not judging any particular generation, but I'm just, I'm just saying, I think sometimes I've had students tell me, well, we don't need religion anymore or we don't need this anymore because we have the internet. I'm <laughs> like, well, not everything is true on the internet, man. Like <laughs> people lie. That's right. part of people, yeah. nature. And, um, and so I, I think it really depends on how we help people frame the technology and also our responsibility in this story, how, how we are supposed to respond to it what we're supposed to be doing the purpose of life. So there are different predictions about this. And there's a guy named John Danaher, not the UFC fighter. Uh, there's a philosopher named John Danaher, Oops. and he's written about this and some of his predictions are very scary. Mm-hmm. Um, because he, he thinks that we're going to kind of lean towards a fully automated society and, but, and people think that's a great thing, right? and um, this is not a commentary on john's work or anything uh, i I think he's right in a lot of ways, but I think he it's wrong too, because, as we saw with covid this was this was my prediction before covid was that in in a situation where people are working less, right it's just hobbies, it's just leisure. I think that will have a very negative impact, especially on men as because a lot of times we value ourselves and our identity is placed on what we do Mm -hmm. how productive we are and i'm not saying that's always right but just as a pastor you guys know that a lot of men go through a struggle when they retire when they lose their job and so there's going to be this great wave of suicide Uh, we're already facing lots of addiction you guys deal with that i deal with it so what happens when there is no work literally no work and I don't think there's a lot of answers for how we're going to deal with the mental and spiritual and emotional crisis. So we're, we're all focused on the pragmatic issues. Like how do we, how do we deal with this job or, you know, is this tech going to take my job? But I think there's actually a bigger question that we need to prepare for is how am I going to emotionally handle this? What am I going to do when a drone delivers stuff to me, or I can't go to a physical store anymore and I have to go to A 3d print shop and get a part for the tractor get a part for the truck Mm -hmm. or whatever you know like how are people going to handle that because i mean now we have a whole generation of boomers who are like i don't want a smartphone and they're struggling with the smartphone Mm -hmm. you know that that's a big deal you know, and so what happens when it's the next level of automation, and they're in the nursing home, or
1: and it's and, us,
2: <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah it's
1: you know, us, it's right, it's it's like an it's us.
2: <laughs> right, and it's a robot caretaker now, where you're you have uh, human and robot partnerships, mm. and so that's the future I see. Is not so much complete automation i don't think that's realistic yeah um if you've ever built a robot you know that's not realistic mm-hmm. but but the partnership yeah. part of yeah, it I is. Built, yeah I built we may robot. we may meet his robot later we'll i am mean, no
0: I'm, I'm very excited about it
1: yeah. <laughs> it's been a few years on it go ahead um no so you're saying that it's going to continue right like it, it, this isn't going away right this is not i sent zach um they were talking about the the morality of all this. But one of the Zach, uh, questions Zach uh, wrote down, he goes, what do you think? Are, are robots amoral? Um, are uh, 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 Let's see. What do you think about that? Are, are, does that even make sense? Are, are, are yeah. robots amoral?
2: Yeah, there's a big question around whether or not technology is neutral. Mm-hmm, I think yeah. that's a lot of people frame it that way. And... So are there embedded morals in technologies? Yeah, I think so. So, for example, I often ask people, you know, a ha- is hammer a good good or bad technology? Mm. Well, depends on how you use it, right? So it kind of goes back to the human operator. Yeah. But also, not just that, it also goes back to your desires for that technology. Why Why did you make it? What was it made to do? And so when we ask a question, is this a good, bad, or neutral technology? I'm like, well... You know, what's the purpose of a submarine? Mm. What's the purpose of a nuclear warhead? Mm-hmm. You know, they, is it good because it does a job well or is it good because it was created for a particular purpose? Mm-hmm. And so I, I lean more towards technology is not neutral. Definitely not. And and some technologies can never be good. Right. I don't I don't. Yeah. It, and there's debates about that, right? And sure. I, I get into some very heated conversations sometimes. But <laughs> um, and depending on the context, right, everything, it has to be on a case-by-case basis. So depends on what the technology is, why it was in, in some bad technologies that were designed for evil and harm can have, I think, a redemptive story to them. You sure. know, and I, I go back to Isaiah 2-4 and, you know, turning swords into you know, gardening hose and that type of thing. And and there are even guys uh, in the United States who take AR-15s and turn them into gardening hose as a reflection of that. And that's not a commentary on that weapon system or anything like that. But I think that is a picture of how certain technologies, you know, like a rifle, which are meant to harm, mm-hmm. and that one in particular, which has a lot of baggage and misunderstanding about it, can be reframed or reused. So any technology—it's not—it's not just rifles, but any technology has the potential for that. Um, there, there are some I would—I would argue just don't need to be made. For example, killer robots—we don't—we don't really need a T eight hundred walking around. Like, there's there's no reason for that. Um, at least from the civilian side. <laughs> but yeah, I, I mean, it just depends on what it's used for.
1: Well, I even like saw the drone right it's like the size of a hummingbird and it's got like one shot in it and you can send it in undetected and it it -hmm. like zeroes in on the eyes and like boom like one bullet in between and you're like oh my gosh i didn't even know that technology existed you know it's crazy and it's fully developed to prevent like a big war to take out like a head of state or something Mm -hmm. like that very yeah under the cover of darkness yeah crazy yeah and
2: there's uh, yeah Go yeah, go ahead. I was just thinking, there's there's all kind of technologies that the public doesn't know about, mm-hmm. and that we use for uh, espionage and different things. And and sometimes I post them because I'm really into uh, good hacking, not for mm-hmm. malicious things, but mm-hmm. you know, even even stuff that our own government has designed, like cables that look like an iPhone cable that is meant to inject bad things or, or take software or whatever. And so, you know, those those are government projects and you think about why we make them. And so, does it make them good or bad? And, well, like yeah. I said, it depends, you know, and I don't think anybody would say that the potential assassination of someone like Hitler was the wrong thing to do, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. So everything has to be kind it's of
1: in the eye of the beholder of hosts, yeah. yeah
2: yeah there's there's a gradient to it i think sure. and and so we have to be very careful and um and i think education is a big part of this conversation yeah. and I, I don't think news media does a lot to really help us sometimes i think the, the way that they just kind of and that's what they're there for right is to outrage and those type of things but okay, uh, they're
1: trying just, to get ratings i mean Let's be honest. So,
0: yeah, they're not necessarily amoral because you've got people behind them that have motives. And then once mm. the thing gets created, whatever the thing is, it can be used in a multiple right yeah, way. And so, well, I, I, I like to,
1: I like Josh's point. Like a hammer, <laughs> it, you know, is used to construct, and it can also be used yeah. to use the claw to destroy someone. Like, mm-hmm. I mean, it's it, you <laughs>
0: right. know
1: what I mean. Like, yeah,
0: yeah. So let's go into that then, which I think is a a, a good thing in chapter two of. Uh, Mm joshua's book robot theology we're only at chapter two yeah i know we've been going 40 minutes (laughs) but he goes into the morality of robots quite a bit and that seems interesting to me and again i'm probably going to come off as ignorant but why does it matter how we treat a robot if a robot is merely a tool uh, why would we treat or consider a robot any differently than we would like a Roomba or an mm-hmm. iPhone or a computer, any other piece of technology? Here's
2: the answer because when you're ninety five it's going to be changing your diaper <laughs> <laughs> I like that I like that no i mean it's the same it's the same question for how we treat animals, I think in a lot of ways huh. why Why are people so upset when you abuse an animal? It's not human you know it's it's somewhere between thing. An object, in an person. And so it just depends on how you frame the question, guys. Like, and people get so upset about this. But I think as a Christian, this story, our life story, is not about us. And so for me, my life is not about me. Right. Mm-hmm. If if I understand myself in God's story, that obviously the story is about him. And so I see persons as a character of value within a story. And so for me and for us as believers, that story is about God. And so if God gives me something, a tool, um, an animal, uh, a landscape, whatever, do I have the right to treat it however I want to or to use it for my own will and gain? Well, yes and no. And so it's, it's kind of, I see it kind of as I've been loaned these certain abilities, capacities, and privileges And so I extend that to a lot of other things that, no, uh, in their makeup, no, I don't think that there's anything super unique or important inside of them. But I think what how I treat them matters. And it is a reflection of me and a reflection of how I think about God. And so I think that's how I like to frame the question is, yes, I know a toaster is a toaster. I, I I'm I know a Roomba is just a vacuum, and I don't think there's anything special about it. But um, do I want to teach my kids just to take the Roomba when it breaks and throw it across the room? No, no, I think that's not good stewardship. Mm-hmm. But likewise, as we get more advanced in some of our technology, you know, we have robot cats at the house. And there's, there's a reason for them. It's not just for consumerism, but there's purposes behind that technology, too, right? And so we, we want to teach them to, to be good caretakers, to model care and affectionate love. And actually there's nothing we can do. If, if we put a, a robot cat or a robot that looks like a human in front of someone, they're going to either be really, really creeped out by it mm. or really, really engaged by it. And there's nothing you can do to decode that from human behavior. So we have to accept that. And so you have to think, right? As we're moving and progressing more and more towards the integration of more technology, not less, more robots, not less. Um, do we just want to treat them, however? And what's what's the impact for us as society? And um, so yeah, there's there's lots of questions on the periphery. I don't know yeah. if I'm answering your question. Oh, yeah. um, but yeah, I, I think sometimes as Christians we're guilty of saying, well let me decide what it is first and then I'll determine how I'll treat it. But I think that's wrong. I think we need to start on the opposite side. You know, let me, I'm just going to treat it ethically first, regardless of what it is. And I think that's a safer bet for me, if I was going to make a wager as a Christian and a believer, because there have been these historical now analogies through time, you know, right. We, we all, we thought for a long time that animals were like machines, Right, the people believe that in the Middle Ages, people believe that for a long time, and we sometimes even believe that today in how we, we farm and um, mm. how we raise livestock and stuff. So, do we think God would be pleased by that? Do we think God would be pleased by how we are wasting some of these resources? And I'm not saying, you know, you have to be a vegan or anything like that. I love meat. I eat it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I'm not. I'm not going against that. Mm-hmm. Um, but at the same time, I don't think God would have us to be wasteful. Mm-hmm. And we're supposed to make things that lean towards flourishing, and I think that's part of the the mandate that we're giving, and that yep. extends both to discipleship and uh, families and our finances and everything, every facet of life. In some way, I'm I'm worshiping God, or I'm worshiping myself, and mm-hmm. so. Yeah, that that's a long response to what you asked. Oh, but.
1: Okay, you seem pretty well evolved, Josh. Um, when it comes to this subject, you're also a pastor, though, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you're saying, in the course of your pastoral work, you've never punched or kicked the church copy machine <laughs> when you've had a paper jam. That's
2: what you're saying, basically. Um, <laughs> okay, that's a lie.
1: I know it's all right. I don't.
2: I Let's don't see. think that I have, okay. but I've right. I've definitely lost my temper. Okay, with machines, yeah, so. Yeah. All right. Um Zach, but not the right. not the copier machine for sure. Okay. Yeah, there yeah. you go. All
0: right. So I think for many of us, like this <laughs> better than I uh... am,
2: <laughs> this still
0: feels so much like in the future. Uh, and part of your book, Robot Theology, you know, you quote scholars that think we shouldn't be thinking or worried about this yet, but you you disagree. And so why why is this important for us to think about now?
2: Hmm. Well, it just depends. Um, do we want to so we're we're still just now thinking about if you look at the publications in christian literature we're just now pumping out books about social media
1: <laughs> that's yeah. so funny yeah I, I just bought one on myspace it's so good that's yeah. yeah. so good
2: and that's not that's not like a critique or judgment uh i mean people can only publish what the publisher will allow them to publish yeah. so that that's not and it's definitely worth publishing for sure But if you think about where we're going to be in the next five to 10 years, and don't get me wrong, like I don't have a magic eight ball here. That's going to tell me what's, you know, the answers are going to be in the future, but we're not very good at predicting the future, especially with technology. Mm -hmm. It changes too fast. Mm. And so if we wait, which a lot of our government entities are saying, let's wait. Uh, A lot of people are saying that's a conversation for the next 20 years, Mm. but I think in every instance that's been proven wrong. Like, no, we yeah. needed to have that conversation like 200 years ago or a hundred right. years ago. And I think it'll be likewise with uh, AI and robots is that it's something that we're going to wish that we inter- talked about more now as we're thinking about integration and yeah. how this is impacting the legal system. Will it impact? And, and definitely there's lots of lawyers and judges who think it's not going to matter at all, mm-hmm. but, we're also seeing now that we're using ai (laughs) to make these decisions so i think it's just you know if you're if you're thinking about where the evidence is it's more towards hey we probably need to think about it because it isn't impacting us and it does drive our society because the reason why all this stuff is important why it matters is all your data you're constantly being um like source for information and and that's you don't think that's important. People think, well, I have nothing to hide. Maybe so. That's not the point of hiding your information or that you're doing something wrong. But the point is we can use that data to manipulate the decision. Mm-hmm. We can use that data to sell you something. And it's unregulated. <laughs> so, I mean, just think about yeah. this for a second. Um, would, we, would we care? We just, we just think about gun regulation, right? We'll go mm-hmm. back to the guns. We're still struggling with that. So, do you think we're ready to talk about AI Robots and guns? No, I get it. No, like, I mean, <laughs> just, just, just really sit down and think about that, how scary that is for a minute. Yeah. Is our, our legal system and top advisors and stuff, they won't even make executive decisions about lethal autonomous weapon systems. Right. Like that's terrifying to me, you know? Yeah. And it's not that we don't have them, it's not that we couldn't have them um I've, I've seen some of these systems and they're not hard to make like you could technically well i don't know if i want to share too much but yeah yeah tell us. it's it's not hard to make some of this stuff yeah and you don't crazy. have to have any clue what you're doing right and you can download you can go to github you can download repositories you can make the scripts for you're saying
1: like a 13 year old
2: could do this like anybody with, yeah anybody who can click and point and knows where to go you can download things and it's illegal to use them, but right. it's not regulated in how you yeah like why why do why should it like I, I put chat, chat GPT in this uh, computer uh-huh. right here like why? <laughs> like, I don't I don't understand <laughs> some of some of the the reasons why this this stuff is out there and yeah when people don't really understand even what AI is and right. and how they're using it so I, the more I think about it the more I talk about it, like we we probably should have been having this conversation back in the 50s. Right. Um, so we're, we're not, it's not like if we have it right now, the conversation and we start making legal uh, movements, we're not ahead. We're still 50 to 60 years behind. Yeah. So crazy. So, yeah. how, how
0: are robots already being used for good or evil in this world? Maybe talk to me about the good side. Uh, like, cause there are some good things that are already happening.
2: Mm-hmm. Oh, absolutely. Maybe some people don't even
0: realize. And, yeah. But then also, yeah, the evil side as
2: well. Okay, so the good, well, let's let's talk about the bad first. Well, no yeah. good news. Apparently, Bad, you've news, never, bad apparent, news first.
1: Apparently you've never heard of the Death Star, Zach. <laughs>
2: <laughs> right? So the bad side of AI and robots, the underbelly, is like I said earlier, is that it has a lot to do with defense applications. And so this was what really bothers me is some of some of my first interactions with semi-autonomous weapon systems, you know, ones that have human-machine teams, is that they are primarily used in war applications, and there's a lot of impact using those systems, but there's not a lot of post-war care, right? And so we use drones with missiles attached to them, mm-hmm. and and that's, uh, I mean, technically not, it's not a autonomous robot, right? It is fully controlled by a human. Mm. But there are other systems that we do have that could be used for offensive things. They're not though. So the policy right now is purely defensive. But that doesn't mean that we can't take that system and then flip the model and use it for bad. Mm. For example, there was one recently. So this goes in the good and bad category. one model that was used to find different combinations of medicines to treat different diseases. And so that AI model is strictly trying to find and predict those patterns and combinations of medicine. Right. So it can find thousands and thousands of combinations. That's That's a wonderful, wonderful process. Let's flip it, Mm. which, which they've done in, in, in practice, let's flip it and say, we want to look for combinations of, um, lethal, but yeah, lethal biomedical weapons. Mm. Okay. Um, guess what? It found thousands of combinations within six hours, mm. new combinations, lethal chemical weapons. Um, so in the wrong hands, right. We're talking about, there's not a lot of regulation behind some of this stuff. There's not even a lot of consensus about what some of these terms mean mm-hmm. when you ask people, what is a robot? And, um, technically my iPhone is a robot, right? Siri so mm-hmm. can respond to a lot of different things. And, that's kind of what a robot is. It's embodied in the world and it's sensing data, taking it in and making a decision. So yeah, the bad too, I would put in that is I, w- I would, I put some applications of smartphones in that um, even the surveillance tech things like Alexa and different things that are, are taking in information and pumping out this consumer driven Data, Right. Trying to to drive data in different ways. Um, And then you have the workforce, which also is is kind of a a gray area. Sure. So um, automated trucking is going to be a big disruption. And we already have that technology. It's just a matter of uh, regulating it so that we can have human machine truck drivers. And that's going to be a massive disruption of the workforce. And so you think about how that impacts the economy. Yeah, could be could be very negative. Uh, you think about the gig economy, people. You know, Uber already had a case back in 2018 where the AI started. It was supposed to detect fraud, and it just rapid fire started detecting fraud um, wrongly and started firing mm-hmm. people. Mm. So, who who's going to come out on top in that litigation? It's going to be the company, right? And so, sure. Um, so there's there's these. These harmful things that are going to happen because of these systems and because there's not a lot of regulation and um, careful thought about implementing them, it is going to have some disruption. Hey, uh, Josh. Well, we got to hear the good stuff.
1: Too. Oh, well. well uh- Yeah, this is the bad side. This goes along with the bad, and then I'll let you do the good. This was an article from CNN Business just this week. It says this Chat GBT can pick stocks better than your fund manager. (laughs) Hmm. And it says a basket of stocks selected by Chat GBT. Um, has far outperformed some of the most popular investment funds in the United Kingdom. Between March 6th and April 28th, a dummy portfolio of 38 stocks picked by ChatGBT gained 4.9%, while the 10 leading investment funds clocked an average loss of 0.8, according to an experiment conducted by financial comparison site Finder.com. I mean you've got to be terrified <laughs> if you are making like six figures being a, a a stock guy or an investment guy and this chat gpt is whipping your butt
2: right so now. I, yeah. I think that's a good a good use <laughs> yeah it could be right it could be and i, and I think yeah, i think they'll yeah. cap cap that eventually i think there's going to be some some push already like that because there's so much money involved yeah i think it's so maybe good bad depending on how you look at it Gotcha. but another part that goes to chat GBT, that we don't often hear people talk about so i'll just mention one more one more negative um is that the ecological cost of this so to pump out these tokens so every every time you ask it something it basically costs around 36 cents hmm. uh, I really? think per token yes um why am so i using all- it for free then well, there's, it's not costing maybe you, but if you uh, have the paid account, so you have a certain amount of tokens that you can ask it. Uh huh. And, and so that's what it's doing. It's generating all this data. If you think about what AI is, what it requires electricity wise,
1: oh. the, precious,
2: the precious materials that it costs. I see. Um, so massive amounts of land are being ruined to mine for these 32 something minerals that we need to make all this tech and this is not just related to ai but any all of our tech in general as we get smaller and smaller microprocessors and Mm. different buying a new iphone every year right um and i'm recording this on iphone so i mean i'm not i'm not anti-tech but i'm just i'm telling us and reminding myself too that there is a cost to all of this yeah interesting and and the cloud is not a cloud it's a server farm (laughs) it's massive amounts of electricity and in land that is pumping out tons and tons and tons of energy. Hmm. Um, so natural resources that are going towards this. And so if we think about the care of the land, right? This kind of goes back to, I think God's concern for work and rest and Sabbath, is that we're we're just depleting the land without giving it rest, without I think really caring for what pro- producing, right? And I think they're going to be wonderful uses of technology like large language models, but do we really need to just continually play with it? I don't think so. And Mm -hmm. I think there's a big cost because what you're doing with it is you're actually training this, this model. You don't realize that, but you're being experimented on. That's why it's free for you right now. (laughs) But, um, so just be careful and understand that, um, there's literally a cost on this both in, the energy that it's generating and it's a lot um, but also what it's going to lead towards and development wise and, and how companies are going to change and model to that. So on the good side, that's, that's negative stuff, but on yeah. the good side, the wonderful thing about robots and I, uh, you know, I experiment on my kids with them and, and all different types. The wonderful thing about robots is that we don't feel judged by them. And so why is that important? Why is that good? Well, If you think about kids that struggle or have autism, they've noticed that kids with autism, if you put a robot in the room, they actually have better interactions with other humans. Mm. Okay. So it's not just them and the robot. It's the robot child and another human. Whereas before they might have a lot of trouble trying to communicate and there's, you know, nonverbal autism and different things, but They've noticed that with robots like Huggable, which is like a cute little teddy bear, um, uh, Paro, which is a seal, it's different applications for that one. But they've noticed that it has very positive impacts on the patient. Hmm. And So alongside that, if you think about um, senior care facilities, nursing homes these robots which which i think when i think about robots i know a lot of people think about terminator but i think about r2d2 i think about cute ones like i think that's that's the type of robotics i want to see developed yeah not humanoid robotics (laughs) r2d2 is kind of lippy though you know right but people like that people want them to be a little bit funky and clanky like he's just a big trash can that beeps right exactly but people love him versus c3po yeah which is more annoying yeah it's like he's oh, yeah. he's very annoying right <laughs> so, exactly like and it's it's less scary, right you know, I think about the movie AI with the bear um as long as the bear doesn't have thumbs, we're good, right It can't <laughs> use scissors or <laughs> manipulate different objects right like let's just stay away from thumbs in a opinion like just let's just keep them cute, slow, loud so we can hear it coming, you know that type of thing mm-hmm. and and there's good reasons for that. But so we had the medical field. So patients with dementia benefit dramatically with care robotics. And not, I'm not talking about <laughs> I'm not talking about like the, the clanky robots where people are like, we're gonna give this to grandma or whatever. And this is like drives around. It's just really poorly designed. But the ones that I was talking about, like the SEAL and other things yeah. that they have a lot of medical devices in them that helps the patient feel at peace and calm. And like the robot cat that I have, or we have a couple at the house, like they're actually very, what are, yeah. What are those? Yeah. So it's called joy and it's supposed to be a companion pet. It it's cheap. So it's a hundred dollars and that's pretty cheap for what it is. And it blinks its ears move. It'll lay back. You pet it. It purrs and it has a very calming effect. So that's all it does. Right. It doesn't, it meows. We're looking at toy right now.
1: Wow. It looks like a real cat.
2: Yeah, it's kind of creepy, though. So the creepy <laughs> part of it, um, I was having a conversation about this recent. Yeah, that's it. Uh, we have two of those, and, you know, you can Do use those. Fine? You can- No, <laughs> okay, no. Uh, I have some videos on my Instagram if you're interested. I, I, I am know. interested now. Um, but <laughs> we have a lot of fun with them. But the kids, you know, they're like a comfort item. And so you can yeah. take them to the nursing home. And as you're seeing patients and, and visiting different people, hey, you know, this is a cheap – it's not it's not a substitute for human care at all, but it's a supplement to it, right? Because let's just be honest: a lot of times these patients are basically there to die. That's that's yeah, their, and that's sad. That breaks my heart. Man. Does but, Joy
1: walk around? Like no, the- oh okay. no. So no. Joy just basically sits in your lap and purrs.
2: Yes. And- yeah, okay. yeah. It's specifically designed for the senior community, so okay. it's just supposed to be a lap companion. Um, as you get more into, like, mobility and different things, it, the prices go way up. Uh, yeah. So I, I think as, as the prices go down for some of this tech, you'll see it more and more integrated. So yeah. another good use is Starship. If you've seen, it's like a big box with six wheels and a big antenna. Um, and that was a delivery robot that mm. a lot of different places around the U.S. integrated into their um, legal pedestrian bylaws so that they could deliver pizzas and different, um, different items to people that were trapped inside during COVID, which many of us were. Right. But, you know, like, but there's a limit to that, right? We don't need a thousand starships (laughs) on the sidewalk. Um, It just really depends on the size of your city and an area. So that's a very positive use of it. Um, I, I think about some of the hospitals going back to medical care is, is helping nurses so the number one reason uh, our injury for nurses is lifting patients right back mm. injuries and mm-hmm. that type of thing yeah um so maybe a and i'm not going to design this but a robotic arm that helps assist the the human nurse to pick up the patient to right. change them and, and care for them um you know there as long as we see robots as a a partner and not a substitute I think we can develop some very good use cases for them and then there's that's not even getting into all the humanitarian stuff that some of these robots could do and and going and taking supplies to where it might be da- dangerous for some people or um and I'm, I'm really into the idea of like cute companion robots so you know things like Wally and and other things that are helpers, right? Right. Oh, yeah. They're 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 made to be a helper to their human partner, and so I'm I'm hoping that that's where we gravitate towards and in what we make and and but even in religious circles, right? Like we we could use robotics for faith communities. There's no reason why we can't take robots like Cosmo, um, which is is no longer uh, the company Enki went went down, unfortunately, but. No, there's no reason why we couldn't integrate that into education, whether you're doing homeschool or whatever, you know, coding is going to be a must for right. our children. Um, computer science is a big thing and even steam education, but you know, why not add faith into these models or at least make it an option for people in that, you know, that that's how they see themselves. And so, yeah. so um,
0: Joshua, but, with, with the faith side of it, I, I... I read in your book that one of the things I was kind of taken aback by that I I think is disturbing (laughs) was uh, along those lines of the faith. A a Pew Research report in 2021, Mm. um, I think, asked 10,000 experts in the fields of AI and computer science a survey and 600 responded. But when you looked at that, um, not a single religious scholar was asked to give their opinion and so I think that's not good, right? That th- To me, that means that this tech is largely being worked on by those who don't operate with the same theological framework that we do. And so am I reading that wrong? Should that give us pause or and concern? Or, or what are your thoughts there?
2: No, I mean, that's right. Uh, as far as, like, tech companies considering what you and I would consider important. Yes, you're absolutely right. They're not asking faith communities. Mm-hmm. So... And this has been my big push, right? This is kind of my jam is to to reach out to different companies and ask them, what do you think about adding this component to? And I think that would actually help the, commun- the robotics community survive in some of these cases where people aren't going to pay three to $400 for a robot that only does simple coding stuff, right? It needs to be more integrated into that person's worldview and their their way of thinking philosophy and so we need to take it a little bit further and so no companies aren't considering that right now there's not a lot of companies now i will say one one caveat that i would what i want to be clear about there are people lots of people who have faith that work at these companies okay mm-hmm. but that may be on the engineering side that may not be on the software side that may not be in, like yeah. The company isn't valuing that as much. And so they're not producing that as much. And I think this is where we come in as a local church is to say, this is what we want as a consumer. And I I think there's going to be a long road to seeing that develop uh, just because of, like I said earlier, we're just not talking about social media. Uh, Maybe I'm wrong. I hope I'm wrong about this. I hope it speeds up and I hope we can have more conversations like this. But a lot of people, aren't really concerned about that. They're, they're not thinking about, okay, well, how might this robot interact with my faith? Or how might this AI model, which I think is even more pressing, interact with my faith or will it reflect my faith? Well, yeah. and and I think if we can integrate that into some of the models, into some of the programming and on the front side, I, I think it would make people a little bit more comfortable with interacting with it. Um, as far as the, You know, it scares a lot of people, Yeah, but you don't have to be scared. You don't have to be scared because our faith is what grounds us in this conversation. And like I tell people all the time, I believe some wild stuff, man. I believe in the virgin birth. I believe in in zombies. I believe in not the walking dead flavor, but I believe people can come back from dead. I believe that my soul is going to be implanted in a new body post, you know, this body's death. Like that's some wild stuff, man. Like you know, yeah, I believe all the stuff about Jesus and all the things that the gospels reflect about that. So, you know, I I take that into the sciences. I take that into technologies, and I think that's what we have to do. Is is almost demand to these companies say, "Hey, there's no idea of fallenness in this tech. There's no idea of limitation. There's no idea of human nature and anthropology." I think that's a problem. <laughs> like, yeah. Um, and some people have picked up on that with Chad GPT, although we don't blame the tech. Like that's that's not the right response is to blame the tech. You need to blame the company. <laughs> like you need to I look at the that. human operators and yeah. say, hey, this isn't right, man. This this doesn't, this is not how we should use this technology as a mediation for human care and love and support. So- and, yeah, go ahead.
0: Yeah, I was going to f- forward it to, you know, you you talked about a lot of the good with, like, the medical community and the elderly. So, like, should like do you see this being a part uh, of a lot of our lives? Like, are humans going to be friends and companions with robots? Mm-hmm. Is that is that good? Is that bad? Is that okay? Like, what does that look like
2: 10, 20 years from now? <laughs> well, it depends who you ask. Uh, a lot of people would say no. And the reason why they would say no is they – they see friendship as a mutual reciprocal relationship, right? Like I care about what you care about and you care about what I care about. And I think that's true in a sense on that level, like, no, we won't be able to have that type of friendship with, with robots, but there, there's a book called Clara and the sun that does a really good job of explaining and exploring this conversation. So I want to encourage all the listeners read more, science fiction because it gets a lot of the conversations right versus some of the philosophy of tech but i think they can be friends on one level um especially in the, in the realm of companionship because if you think about how people view their phones really think about that they may say it's just a piece of tech to them but what happens when anybody in the room you're at a restaurant college campus wherever somebody drops their iphone what happens Right. It, there's an audible gasp. Yeah, 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 yeah. You know, we take it into the most intimate places of our life. Right. It, it is a part of us. And I think as soon as we cross the threshold, finding some very pragmatic, useful uh, reasons for having the robot in the house, it will graduate to that next level where it's like, no, no, no. We, and even even today, there's evidence of not necessarily companionship and friendship, but when people have their Roombas worked on. They want their Roomba back. (laughs) Right? Like, why? Why does it matter, you know? And but I think their RUBAS. They name
1: their Roombas. Yeah. Yeah. It's
2: it's so loud though. It's just it's so loud. Yeah. It is loud. Mm -hmm. But um, yeah, I think we can be friends to a degree. Like, I think you still need human friends. Yeah. Um, I think some people will value the robotic relationship more than they'll value human friendship in the future. And I think there's already evidence for that in some places. So I think it'll change and we'll, we'll have to cross that bridge when we get there. Yeah. Like for example, the conversation about replica that's come up a lot and um, there's, there's other stuff that's recently come out with AI girlfriends. That's not new stuff, Yeah. but um, the lady that's charging a dollar per minute to, to be your girlfriend, right? That's, that's an AI model. And so people are paying for this. This is this is not far-fetched right. you know science fiction. Back in high school, I could see Zach paying for that. <laughs> <laughs> right? Yeah. Can you imagine? Can you imagine some of this stuff? I feel so sorry for yeah. some of our children and yeah. our kids because, man, they're just bombarded with stuff that there's no way I would have been prepared for. To right. Handle. Right. And so, uh, you know, like, God bless them. But I want to be inside the conversation with them, inside yeah. these different fields and help them see – like, we don't have to shame them, right? Because I think it's wrong to say if, if you ask people, especially boomers, what's the one, number one problem with society today? Smartphones, social media. Okay, who gave them the smartphone? Who gives? <laughs> who gave them access to it? Did did they like? Did they have the seven hundred dollars to go buy it? No, no. You gave it to them as a concession because you're worried about different things in society right um you're everybody worried else you has one yeah. you want to lowjack them there's societal pressure from their peers yeah. there's all right. these different things so i think it, there's going to be a similar conversation we have with the robots when it becomes financially feasible like i said with the smartphone we crossed yeah. that threshold when we were worried more about where our child was when we wanted to get in contact with them it became normal mm-hmm. we'll go through a similar mm-hmm. progression and so yeah i think i would absolutely love to have a wally Like I said, in the house or, Mm. you know, and kids will tell you straight up. Yeah, it's my friend, but it's not a human. Mm -hmm. It's not. It's not. I know it's not real. Yeah. But we don't we don't squash that in their imagination. Right. Yeah. It's it's not that it has to be a human. (laughs) Um, Think likewise with animals. Can you have genuine companionship with a dog? Yes, absolutely. You can't. You know why? I know that because I've done dog funerals. Right. You know, I've, I've seen um, military canines with their mm-hmm. handler. Mm-hmm. I've seen cop. You know, you you go to a funeral, canine funeral of a police officer dog, mm-hmm. and tell me that's not a real relationship. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and same way with robots. There's there's been that level of concern and companionship. So it's not an issue of possibility. It's just the issue of access when we get them certain access, I think. Yeah. So let's, let's not judge anybody. And even with the people who are in these fringe circles now with AI girlfriends and virtual girlfriends or boyfriends or whatever, there's, there's something underneath that they're longing for and searching for. And most of the time, guys, it's not sexual. 60% 60% of the time there's been studies about this. It's not sexual. It's mm-hmm. actually about companionship. Yeah. Which I think is so fascinating because we, we go straight to the perversion. And that's true, right? That's a part of fallen nature. Um, and then we get into all these murky issues of how do we value consent in these relationships? Mm. And and what does it say about us who, you know, companies who make them and um and even more go in depth is like I'm I'm for the robot friendships that are not sexual or manipulative. Right. Sure. So that that's another piece to this guys is I want to make sure that the company isn't saying, Hey, for an additional 599, for an additional 59 99 a year, you can unlock this feature, Mm. right? Because we have that with Alexa. We have that with every piece of technology, but my concern is that companies are going to leverage their understanding of psychology. Mm-hmm. To to hurt mm-hmm. people, yeah, you know? yeah. I didn't think about that. You see that in
0: these apps that my these games that my kids mm-hmm. play, and mm-hmm. like they just get in this constant loop of. I need more ha- coins. You don't, you don't have to pay <laughs> anything, but I got to get that skin on Fortnite. Right, got to do this, and oh, you you have to pay. You I have had to pay. think about yeah. that with robots, and so I, I, there's it's so complex and complicated and confusing. I'm fascinated <laughs> by the conversation. I think I, I wish at times I could fast forward. Fifty years from now, like how did it go? Right, Uh, I think I think that you know, similar to what we're feeling as you know, the first parents of uh, kids with smartphones their entire lives, uh, like a lot of grace I hope we give to one another, but also like let's not be as far behind as we have to be. I'm with you, Joshua. Like let's we've let's have the conversations and at least talk about it that's what a little bit of attempt with this is supposed to be and let's let's regulate it certainly it sounds like we need we need that from the theological side let's get people in religion in theology in in this field <laughs> and we need it sounds like we need you there uh, yeah. for the future of this it may depend on getting more uh, more and more of those thinkers so i could yeah at least scratch the surface we could go on more uh, i was gonna say but, this is uh, we gotta bring him back next season yeah probably. so uh, we we do a final question with yeah. all of our Guests, mm-hmm. uh, we, we want this podcast to challenge our everyday listeners to be great followers of Jesus. And so, if so, you could issue a challenge. Well, and you,
1: the final question really is how much time do we have on earth before the robots
0: destroy us? That's not true. Oh, okay. <laughs> if you could challenge our listeners to do one thing practically this week to be greater disciples, what, what, what are you going to challenge our audience to do?
2: Yeah, I, I think just kind of going along with our whole conversation is just to, to put your hand to something and make something that is going to inspire creativity and awe and joy. Mm. And I think that's what's missing so much from this conversation is that sometimes we're so critical because, and I'm stealing this from my friend John Dyer, sometimes we're so critical because we're not busy creating things like we're supposed to be. Mm. You know, like we, we are made in the image of a beautiful, wonderful, good, gracious, kind God. He's given us all these resources, all these different things, potentials. And like, let's, let's go out there and make things mm. and make them for his glory. Mm. And we can do that or we can sit back and just critique everything. Yeah. Complain, so, <laughs> even, even if it's just like learning more about this technology yeah. and because my challenge to a lot of people is if you'll, if you'll get involved in it and start, just make your first simple robot you will not be scared anymore <laughs> code your first whatever you won't be scared because you'll understand how complex it really is just uh-huh. to make a simple piece of tech Me. and 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 it's fun so, yeah, boy, this it's couldn't fit
1: in. This it, couldn't fit in any better to my game. It's
0: fun to create. All right, listeners, if you take that challenge on this week, that you, you put something, your hands to work, you create something. Let us know. hashtag Red Letter Disciple. We want to cheer you on. And speaking of putting. Your hands to create something. Um, Chris is waiting <laughs> to tell us. If you're watching on YouTube, you've seen a creature, um, a robot that Chris yeah. made. Uh, sitting so, our table. thank so you. Chris, I'll, yeah. I'll take it from here. I'll take it from here.
1: Just a little <laughs> bit ago, Joshua K. Smith informed us of so many different things going on in the world. And let's just restate a couple things that he said in the last four minutes. About four and a half minutes ago, Joshua K. Smith said, "I wish I could have my own very own wall True. Mm-hmm. And then when he, Zach issued the challenge, he said, Go build something like even a robot. Done, Josh. <laughs> Done. I have completed. <laughs> I Please go to YouTube right now or you're missing out on the full show. I have created a one of a kind, which we're sending to prototype next week. It's called Chat PPT. <laughs> it's my own robot. Wow. And Josh, yeah. yeah. I want Josh a really
0: Creative to- name. Proud of you.
1: Thank you. Uh, I stole it. Um, so anyway, let me turn it on. There we go. The light is on. Let's turn it to high. Okay. So let's see here. Josh, usually we make a custom game show for every person that comes on. But since I've been working on this the last four and a half years, finally I've got it tweaked. And so, Josh, I want you to ask chat PPT. Any question, he'll kind of hammer around a little bit, and then he spits out a cue card with the correct oh. I have trained him in the prophetic ministry. Wow. so mm. Yeah. He is very prophetic. He's great. I build a solid relationship with him. I'm really proud of him. He's really yeah. like 10 for 10. So go ahead, Josh.
2: Prophetic. No. Any question right? I want. How dare you? I can ask well, any question.
1: Any question, yes or no. That's it.
2: Oh, okay, yes or no questions. Yeah. Hmm. Are you are you going to destroy us all?
1: It says outlook not so good.
2: <laughs> oh wow. Okay. That's not good. That's
1: good. All right. Let's do another one, Josh. Real. Try another all right. one. Are, are you my friend? <laughs> Reply hazy. Try again. <laughs> One, okay, more, um, one more let's go all
2: right are you recording this conversation
1: mm. ask again later <laughs> it's terrible <laughs> dude three for three last one go for it
0: mm. I've got one I want to ask okay go, uh, ahead. Wait, okay, there, go ahead go ahead go ahead Zach, go, go ahead, ahead. Uh, me and my family were a huge Cleveland Browns fan will I witness a Cleveland Browns Super Bowl victory before I die mm. there we go My sources say
2: (laughs) five
1: for five. Ah. All right, chat to You got room for one more? What do you say? You may rely on it. Look at it. Even Uh, interesting. Go ahead, Josh,
2: the big Mm -hmm. one. The big one. Okay.
1: He's, man, he's starting over. Uh,
2: me. I don't know, man. I'm like, I'm drawing a This is a mockery Great, on the pick. entire Cam, robotics world, Cam, by the way. go for it. I Cam wasn't sure how this would go. Cam. Oh, Cam what? has a question. Cam Will this be ending
1: soon? <laughs> it is certain. It is certain. It is certain. <laughs> that is what's going to do it. Here you go. For this bit. Chat PPT. That's awesome. Thank
0: you, buddy. That Thanks, That bud. a mockery All right. on the entire robotics community. <laughs> how That looked like my air purifier from home. You might want to check out for that.
1: Actually. Uh, I stole the air purifier from Zach's house on the way out and then we went to target and I put googly eyes on it. So I don't know.
2: There you go. You hey, did a great uh, job. That's people... 90% of robotics. right there. <laughs> <laughs> if people
0: want to connect with you, if they want to get the book robot theology or hear anything more, where, where can they find you these days?
2: Uh, just Google Joshua K. Smith Robots, and I should come up.
0: There you go. I like you, man. <laughs> hey, thanks for leading the way in this and uh, being a voice in a world that it sounds like needs voices like yours. So I appreciate you, man. And uh, thanks for being a part of the show. All right.
2: Thank you, guys. Cool.
0: Well, that was... Maybe the most interesting podcast we've had uh, and a lot of fun. And we got to meet chat PPT, Chris's (laughs) robot, which I was really concerned would come off as mocking the entire field of robotics. But Joshua K. Smith was not only a great sport, but I think he's asking the right questions that many of us need to be asking and thinking about. And so I hope today's episode was helpful for you. Uh, We put a lot of links in the show notes for the things that Joshua K. Smith is doing. And also we put our sponsor there uh, and the great work resource and work called Serving Challenge that again, we are now locking in churches at servingchallenge.com to embark on a 40-day journey to serve like Jesus that's going to change not just the lives in your church, but your communities. So if you want more there, servingchallenge.com. That's going to be great. I'm really pumped about next week's guests. Plural. We've got a husband and wife team, Jason and Kathy Bergstrom. And here's what's crazy. Jason is a American ninja warrior and several people in his family are American ninja warriors. Jason and Kathy not only ha- have this ninja warrior community that they've been building, they also raised 9 kids. So What's harder to make American Ninja Warrior and complete a stage there or to raise nine kids? And also one of the things I love about them is they do a really great job of turning their home into a place where ministry can naturally happen. How do you and I do that with our homes so that ministry can happen where we are? You're gonna love their story. Plus you're gonna find out maybe you've got what it takes to be the next American Ninja Warrior. So how do you not miss this? You subscribe. Or you follow the podcast on whatever your favorite podcast platform is. So do that. That would mean the world to us as we lock arms in ministry together and go on this journey to be great disciples of Jesus. So we'll see you next week. Ahura Media Production.